But what they don't tell you is that just outside of these concentration camps where they have, are supposedly holding all these Jewish population, they're putting them to work, they actually built and ran one of the biggest petrochemical refinery companies and, and manufacturers right next to Auschwitz concentration camp. This is the All of the Above podcast. I'm Jake. And I'm Tom. And wow, do we have an episode for you. I think this has probably been out. This has probably taken the most amount of research or time that we've probably ever put into an episode. I'm, I'm impressed. I'm impressed. This week we're going to be talking about uh, the Rockefeller legacy and the effect that um, this this family essentially has had on modern medicine, the destruction of alternative medicines um, and some, some really, really, really dark things that we've uncovered in the last few moments. A couple of hours, probably yeah. a couple of days. Yeah. <laughs> where, do you want to start? where do you think we should start? Should we go all the way back to the beginnings of the Rockefellers? I think so. Would, um, would you like to start with William and maybe I'll, I'll touch base with John? I reckon that you, you probably know a little bit more about William and then I'll, I can go more into John. Okay, that's, that's good. I like that. So essentially, the Rockefeller, um, the Rockefellers start, um, they first came to America, I don't know, in the 1700s, I believe. From Germany, um, they were the Rockenfellers back then. Um, then one bloke named uh, oh shit, I don't know who his dad's name was, but essentially changed his name to Rockefeller. Gave birth to this bloke called William Rockefeller, who is the father of the notorious oil like oil tycoon John D. Rockefeller. I believe his middle name is Disco John Disco Rockefeller. This guy. I think, I think, anyway. No, it's John J. Davison Rockefeller. Um, William, his father, um, to put it plain and simply, was a bit of a, a, bit of a hustler. Uh, he, yeah, he's been labelled a snake oil salesman. Um, just because of the use of his, um, his marketing techniques in the Wild West, by selling crude oil as a cancer, um, a cancer cure. Um, the name of his potion was Nujol. Uh, he was a herbalist. And a snake oil salesman. And a snake oil salesman, essentially. So let's, let's assume he wasn't, there's nothing sinister about this. He was a herbalist. He was, he was pushing alternative medicine. <laughs> If you, if you put in his dad's name into, into Wikipedia, though, it comes up Rockefeller's father was a travelling con man who travelled through the country selling herbal remedies, giving him the name Doc Rockefeller. That's it. Mate, you might have the, uh, you might have the Rockefeller lawyers knocking on your door, Sue. Uh, <laughs> I think the further we go into this chat, then we probably will. Yeah, the, <laughs> the um, de- bit of a defamation case, he reckons. <laughs> Um, so then he, he gave he gave birth to obviously he was a snake oil salesman, and then he gave birth to John D Rockefeller, which is probably the the beginnings of the the Rockefeller Empire. 
Yeah. As such. So Rockefeller is essentially an oil tycoon. This is John D. Now, as you all know, oil consumes everyone's lives. Every facet of our lives is life is consumed by oil, whether that be driving your car, obviously, the creation of petrol, petroleum, diesel, you name it, gas, all of it. All by well, also, you know, probably the seat, the seat you're living in, the seat you're sitting on, the house you're living in, the computer that you're watching or the phone that you're holding. Or your aerosol. All of it has been produced or used or transported by the use of, of petrol. And then what about the the industry that we're about to dive a little bit deeper into, which includes a lot of petrochemicals that are used in pharmaceuticals, that are used in um, farming, in farming, all the a lot of the soaps that you use if you're not using <coughs> natural, toothpaste, hairspray, hair dye, deodorant, perfume, your food that you're eating, artificial sweeteners, all derived from crude oil of so petrochemicals. Yeah, so the business that the the Rockefellers were in, whether in the refining of the oil. Um, so how he got, I, I can touch base with him. Go nuts, mate. Go nuts. Um, he got into it originally. He was, I think he was quite humble beginnings, John D. Rockefeller. Started in, he started in a, um, uh, in Cleveland. And he was a, he owned a shop that sold groceries, from what I believe. Mm-hmm. And he actually started out as a bookkeeper for someone else. Within a couple of years, he'd already owned his own one. Mm-hmm. And he started producing and opening up grocery stores, only small, low-key ones, but was able to build up a fairly good business within um, those few years of operation before he started to go further into what we now know as the um, the oil trade. So mm-hmm. what the how he originally got into that was through him being a little bit of, uh, you know, quite a productive businessman in the in the 1800s. A friend of his come up to him and, and offered, and who was a who was a chemist at the time or a pharma, uh, pharmacologist or whatever whatever that he was doing at the time. But the the lamps that they used to use, this was his first kickoff. This is how he got introduced to it. His first, the lamps they his used. First adventure. The, in the 1800s in Cleveland, which would have been the Wild West back then, yeah. or a smaller version of what it is now. They used to use lamps that was wax or animal fats. Generally in the time it would have been, you know, uh, a whale fat that was then burnt with a wick to then produce light. There was no electricity and there was no gas. So this chemist has come to John D. Rockefeller and said to him, <clears throat> this is the way in which we'll be able to you know, use crude oil, they're refining crude oil to then produce this 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 type of chemical or this 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 type of gas that was able to be burned at a or kerosene, sorry, refining crude oil into kerosene in a way which would burn for a longer period of time. Mm-hmm. So through this he invested a lot of money and then allowed his friend to be able to continue it. And within I think it was a space of ten years, they owned twenty nine different um, refineries around that region and throughout America. And then obviously throughout that, he's then, through his introduction into refine, refinement, he's then got into oil and being able to then find oil fields and then he started the Standard Oil Company. 
The standard, now, yeah, just to fast forward a little bit, the Standard Oil Company um, is the what now is a conglomerate. Conglomerate is basically a, a bunch of different companies that form one company, essentially. And then I think it was 1911, the Standard Oil Company got broken up um, because they had a 90%, essentially a monopoly of the oil trade in America and probably globally, but specifically in America. So the Standard Oil Company, the American company got broken up uh, and that got split up into a range of different companies that you'll know today. You've probably, you've probably been filled up your car at one of their stations today. We've got Exxon, which was the Standard Oil of New Jersey. Standard Oil of New York is Mobil. Standard Oil of California, Chevron. And there's a few others in there like Sohio, Amoco, Canoco, Arco that I don't believe are around today. They could possibly be, or they've been sold off or consumed by one of the, the bigger guys like Exxon or Mobil, which are essentially the same company just split up. So Exxon and Mobil have got jumped back into bed together um, and are probably one of the largest oil producers in the world. So oil turns into plastic bags, turns into fuel, turns into pharmaceuticals, turns into a lot of things that we use today. Big, big, big business. Which we'll, which we'll keep talking about. And just to set the stage for, you know, the era in which we're talking about. So John D. Rockefeller, the, the, the senior, was born in uh, 1839 and, was, and died in 1937. So this was, it was a fair while ago and he was able to um, sequester or take over the American market and did own 90% of the, within a, a fairly short period of time, the, um, the American oil industry and which, to which it's become today. And then through the generations, first of all, he was, I believe he was the first billionaire ever in the world. And they've also said that at the date of his death, his wealth in today's dollars would be worth around one trillion, I believe, which is a shit ton of money. It's a, shit it's a lot of money. Now, how does <coughs> um, let's go a little bit deeper. How does the Rockefeller story uh, make the leap into um, modern medicine as we know today, or pharmaceuticals. They, um, I believe that they they started the Rockefeller Foundation. So the Rockefeller Foundation was founded in May fourteenth, nineteen thirteen. Okay, which is just before the start of World War One, mm-hmm. um, and we know that you know. He started producing. I actually don't know. Do you want to go further into the reasons how they started getting into the pharmaceutical industry? Yeah. Okay. So essentially, what what there's a few different ways we can look at this, and there's a couple of conspiracies out there online that say, oh, um, obviously, he's an oil tycoon. He's got access to a lot of oil, and he's 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 privy at the processing of it and transforming that material into other chemicals, other drugs. Around, um, I believe it was 1912 or 1911, um, 
that's when our, our vitamins, um, like vitamin B1, vitamin D, vitamin A, whatever, all our vitamins. I've, I've got that written down, actually. Um, um, yeah, that was when it was discovered, correct. 1912. So, so what happened around this time, you had um, vitamins being discovered, <coughs> essentially... Um, were the cause of a few different um, a few different illnesses like scurvy. You might have heard the old pirates catching the scurvy um, thing. That was a vitamin deficiency. Um, so there's a few different, yeah, obviously a few different illnesses um, that were then treated with um, the use of vitamins. Use of use and that, that's so I think at this at this stage, the Rockefellers were already invested them into the pharmaceutical industry, mm-hmm. and what what they were seeing unfolding was that, with due to the recent discoveries, that vitamins were able to be used to be able to treat certain conditions. So I just had a little bit of a mind blank. They <clears throat> they were able to realise that the 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 issue with vitamins compared to pharmaceutical chemicals or the pharmaceuticals that they were inventing that they that they the companies they owned which then led the the petrochemical companies to then continue to be able to produce um or have make money that they weren't able to patent these vitamins as they were natural producing molecules you can't make money and that's happened time after time after time in in history yeah and so through this, they were able to push out the use of um, homeopathic or alternative medicines, medicine practitioners, and like they sh- they showed them the door, and they were um, using whether it be you know mainstream media or whether at the time, or um, or in some cases you know put into jail for being able for promoting certain medical practitioners or alternative med- medical practice practices that were against the the gains of the pharmaceutical companies mm-hmm. um and then so it's actually i've got we've got a little quote here this was also the first time when first vitamins were discovered it soon became clear however that these natural molecules had life-saving health benefits and that they were able to prevent chronic health conditions the first books appeared with research subsequently abandoned um, about the health benefits of vitamins, these newly discovered molecules had only one disadvantage, they were not patentable. Mm-hmm. Um, thus, in its first years of existence, the pharmaceutical investment business had already faced a moral threat. Vitamins and other micronutrients promoted as public health programs would prohibit the development of any sizable investment business based on patented drugs. This, uh, The elimination of this unwanted competition from natural micronutrients therefore became the question of life or death for pharmaceutical businesses. Yeah. So, so to boil it all down, the oil industry wanted to capitalise on medicine, essentially. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. So that leads to a few issues, obviously. Um, you hear people saying that you can't make money off a cure you need people to be sick to be able to be able to make money so there's there's incentives for the whole the whole conspiracy around big pharma and all that is that you wouldn't put money into a cure because the money is in treating the illness essentially that's as dark and 
that is, that's that's business essentially. Like, if it's like how they how they don't produce that, with an iPhone, they don't produce it to last five to ten years because if they if they produced it for a lifetime, then no one would spend any more money and there wouldn't be any profits. Correct. Exactly. So that's just how big, big, big business works. So, and you can see with um, vaccines that have been produced in the last 12 months that um, when a lot of money goes into these things, you know, turnaround time is pretty quick. Like if, if we want to get something done, we can. I'm not saying that like cancer is curable because there's so many different forms, blah, 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 blah. But yeah, when you've got things like a lot of the blood thinning um, drugs, a lot of the a lot of the drugs for heart disease, all these kinds of things are all derived from crude oil and, and petrochemicals essentially. Yeah. So, so I think you know, look, it's it's not even to say that this isn't the, the Rockefellers, we're not the, the, the line in which we took with this podcast wasn't to be able to throw smoke at at the Rockefellers directly. This was just us doing a bit of research and coming across some, you know, some pretty recognisable names and, and some infam- pieces of information. Ooh, and then just drawing a bit of a picture around around that. And look, the more and more that we got into it, like if you, Get the if you we can explain, that it's not specifically causing cancer, but some of the ways in which they invest their money, whether it be throughout the last hundred years, has led to an increase amounts of chronic diseases and correct. And we're, we're going to get we'll get into their the connection between the Rockefellers and World War Two, a few of the different companies that were supplying um, the Nazis with uh, their uh, mustard gas. Oh, sorry, their um, Zyklon B, which was used in the gas chambers, the companies that created the Agent Orange used in Vietnam as a defoliant, um, basically the exact same company. We're, to- we're talking about um, IG Farben. Which is nowadays known as Bayer, Bayer yeah. which is the company that owns Monsanto and, and Nestle and the majority of companies around the world. So some of your favourite brands there, essentially. Um, Let's just move back a little bit, I think. There's a little bit more we need to cover um, regarding Rockefeller. Just as a bit of a character reference, we just want to give you a little bit of an understanding of who this guy is or was. And, um, yeah, sort of what his vision vision was and just a character reference, just a straight-up character reference. And you can be your own judge on this. This is just, these are straight facts and take what you want from it. So, um, I don't know if you're aware of the term robber baron. Um, robber baron was a derogatory, essentially a derogatory term used back in the day for people like oil time tycoons, similar to how we use the the term one percent, the one percent, you know, the one percent own all the wealth, the one percent are ruining the world, you know, the exact same way we use. One, the one percent these days is a derogatory term to talk about the the world elite and the wealthy um, is the same as the robber barons. So essentially, uh, let's say um, pre obviously his death um, in 1947, Rockefeller had a pretty shitty image. Um, 
obviously you had him. He was. A, he was. A, he, he had a lot of control over um, oil. This is Rockefeller Jr. Rockefeller Jr. John is, Rockefeller Jr. This is the no. This is the OG. This is senior. He was. He was eighty. He was ninety-eight years old. So pre pre nineteen thirty-seven, he had a, quite a shitty um, image essentially because he was a. He was obviously you had Standard Oil being broken up in nineteen eleven. Um, I believe it's around the same time that JP Morgan's um, steel company was broken up. Was it Roosevelt? When was he president? So I know uh, 1901 to 1909. So Roosevelt was, um, uh, he was the main backer behind the breakup of, um, of JP Morgan's big steel. Um, he was basically running America. Essentially, J.P. Morgan was the financier for the Titanic. J.P. Morgan Chase, the bank. They've, they've always had a lot. They've had a lot of money. So around this time, a lot of big companies that were controlling America. There's a lot happening around this time in history. A lot of these companies were getting broken up. So you had um, you had J.P. Morgan's company getting broken up, broken up. I believe in like 1910, 1911, around then. Um, and you also had Standard Oil which was the biggest oil producer in America. 90% of the oil produced in America was by Standard Oil, which was um, uh, Rockefeller's company, essentially. Massive oil tycoon, had a monopoly, had too much control, shocking name. A lot of the business practices he used were, like he got got, got, um, charged with racketeering. There's a few things that happened. um, So... Uh, yeah, he got he, he he got charged with a criminal offence. So, with all his money, essentially, he ran a PR campaign, marketed his philanthropy, he started donating a lot of money. Ended up being in today's dollars about four or five billion dollars that he ended up donating before his death, um, which is a lot of money, and probably a lot of the reason why we see his name plastered everywhere. You've got the Rockefeller University, you've got the Rockefeller Center in New York, you've got, you know, Rockefeller everything. But although he ran this very successful marketing campaign to clean up his name, the Rockefeller name, we can't look past the fact of his historical business dealings and the fact that as a, as a, as a, as a person, he's a capitalist, he may not have had the best interests of all the people at heart, essentially. What we're saying is that, it, you know, all of the, the goodwill and the nature from the Rockefellers may not have been completely found or just. Yes, and a lot of the money um, that was donated into these charities um, that was used to create the uh, Rockefeller Foundation was not stolen money. We're not going to use stop the word stolen, but he was basically a giant sponge for all the money in America. So there was a big divide between the people who had the haves and the have-nots and the people, essentially the people who had money and the people who didn't have money. So all the people who kept poor and and dying who needed this medicine, essentially, um, were kept poor by people like uh, John D. Rockefeller, 
the Standard Oil Company, um, the big sponges of the world, the JP Morgans, they kept all the people poor while accumulating all the wealth, essentially, which is why they were broken up in 19, 1911. Having a company that gets broken up, though, doesn't specifically mean that they don't have a, a say into what the ongoings are of each of those companies. No. And, and not to say that he still would have owned the majority share of, of, of all of those. Yeah, it looks like they got all broken, broken up into the state to which they were operating in. There would have been mines all over all over the states and you had, um, I don't know, I think it was like seven or eight companies. Um, yeah. We had California, New York, New Jersey, Ohio, uh, Indiana, you know, um, Atlantic. I don't know if they were already doing drilling by then, in the 19, 1911. Um, and continental oil, which I'm assuming was something international. So you had a lot of oil companies um, that essentially were Standard Oil, which was Rockefeller's company, broken up um, into yeah, all these different separate separate oil companies. It's just really hard to piece this one together, but we're going to get there. We're going to get there. Jake, did you want to touch on anything more about medicine and and natural medicine and oil and and sort of how we've that we've moved away uh, as a society from natural practices in medicine to a more um, science and um, crude oil based pharmaceutical pharmaceutical base? Yeah, I think it's pretty obvious in the way that we live nowadays. It's um, we just have to look at the current climate that we're that we're going through at the moment and understand that you know the whole world have have issues with their health that you know we don't put we don't put ourselves first or we don't we don't even understand what's necessary anymore to be able to get back to a picture of, of good health can you, you give know, me can you give me a sickness that is arguably cured naturally and also with pharmaceuticals like anything a headache. Anything that's cured naturally. Just to give a bit of an example of like the difference between natural and pharmaceuticals. Um, you can talk. You can talk about. You can talk about diabetes. You can talk about cardiovascular disease. You can talk about cancer. Give me cardiovascular disease. If people if people exercised and ate, and ate healthy, <clears throat> lived a normal lifestyle, they were they weren't stressed. Okay. They weren't having. They weren't overweight. They weren't having continually being given certain chemicals within their food source or within their water source. They weren't ingesting every time they took a breath pollutants from the air. They would have more ability to be able to one fight the body levels of stress or or, or certain types of <coughs> um, factors that would then put them at a at a decreased ability to be able to heal themselves. They would. One, be getting enough nutrients in their diet to be able to then promote good health. They would be exercising so that their body would be stronger to be able to, and in, in turn, uh, run and optimally. Mm -hmm. And it's just, you know, and then, but nowadays it's not, <clears throat> the focus isn't on looking after yourself. And I think it's slowly changing. The, you know, people are slowly waking up. 
but it's flipping from being um, more of a pharmaceutical base, which it has been over the last, you know, probably 100 years. Probably yeah. the last 100 years, it's, it's been, you know, if you've got something wrong, you take a pill or you take, you know, you take an aspirin or you... Which you take antibiotics or yeah, which you, you read something earlier saying um, you, there's a pill for everything and it's basically taking care of the symptoms but not actually. That was in, I believe that was from the Masonic Creed. Okay, which, which has been debunked. It has been debunked, but I think it serves a good point. I think it does as well. It, it definitely opens your eyes and you can take... Oh, here, I've got this here. Since the marketplace of pharmaceutical investment business depends on the continued existence of diseases, the drugs that developed were not intended to prevent, cure or eradicate disease. Thus, the goal of the global strategy was to monopolise health for billions of people. With pills that ne nearly cover symptoms but hardly ever address the root cause of disease, the depri deprivation of billions of people from having access to life-saving information about the health benefits of natural health approaches, mm -hmm. whilst at the same time establishing a monopoly with largely ineffective and frequently toxic paints and drugs cause disease and death in genocidal proportions. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> It also goes on to say the epidemic of unnecessary disability and death by the pharmaceutical business with disease is unparalleled in history. Mm -hmm. And look through this, you can then go further into talking about the effects and and, and the ongoings of what they had into the you know the World War One and World War Two that probably haven't been broached in the mainstream media because of these specific reasons. And, you know, it's not common knowledge because they don't, they don't want it to be. And if we look at today's society, everyone's unhealthy, everyone's unfit, everyone takes pharmaceutical drugs. If you're anyone over 40, probably is taking some sort of a supplement or hopefully supplement, but mainly, you know, anyone with high blood pressure will be taking some sort of medication. <clears throat> The, the issue with the medical industry at the moment is that it's, it, it's not looking after the, the best interests of, of the people. It doesn't address the root cause. It's just giving you something that covers the problem. Yes. That'll get you through until you need to up your dose and then you can continue to move forward, which in turn makes money for the pharmaceutical companies because people are continually getting sick. Now we can talk about <clears throat> how the ongoings of how that how the pharmaceutical industry played a big part into the world wars and and how well we, we what we were looking at before how um, and there was actually a, it was an article by MIT if I believe wasn't it Tom? Um, it looks like it was a it was a paper produced. Um, it's on the MIT website. Um, it looks like it might have been a paper produced by a student. Um, the People's History of the United States. It just basically goes into um, into oil and the oil industry and and um, and companies that were sort of in bed with um, Nazi, the Nazis at the start of the war um, and during and essentially afterwards. <laughs> Uh, I just want to like touch on, on the whole medicine thing um, just for a moment. So yeah, you have like your things like your heart disease, which obviously if you're a bit fitter and healthy, you don't necessarily, you, like you may not, like my old man, he had a heart attack. He, he's 
he's going to be on medication probably for the rest of his life. You'd have to assume. So, in 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 ways, we're not saying all all pharmaceuticals are bad because it's essentially keeping my dad alive. You know, like in a lot of people's cases, it's keeping them alive when otherwise their body would shut down. Essentially, yep. so you can't really argue that it's bad in all cases. It serves a purpose. It, de- it definitely serves a purpose, but there's just too many links here um, to corruption and, and, and greed and capitalism for us to turn a blind eye to it, unfortunately. Um, you've got things like the creation of um, use, use morphine and heroin, for example, Obviously not for the people. <laughs> the use of um, drugs like um, like Ritalin in, in in studying, you know, or they don't use Ritalin anymore. They've, they've rebadged it something else. Um, Some type of Ritalin anyway. They still give it to kids with AD, ADHD and ADD or brain. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, which is, yeah, essentially speed... And, you know, the, these doctors essentially um, uh, in America, it's a massive problem, are essentially diagnosing these kids with ADHD. They use this drug, which is speed, um, Adderall. There you go. They, they get given Adderall um, and then they study and they get higher grades. So you've got this whole system built off the use of Synthetic drugs. Yeah. Yep. I don't even think it has to be specifically drugs. I think it's just it's the use of synthetic compounds or syn- that to be either to be created and then sold for profit. Correct. And that's what's happening with drugs like that. Um, you've got drugs like heroin, which isn't oil based at all. Um, that are sold, rebadged as as other drugs. You know, like like we were reading earlier that morphine used to be, um, oh no, heroin used to be used as a morphine substitute for people in the twenties. Big pharma have a very good way of telling people what they need when and not giving not giving people the full picture. Yeah, it's not in their it's not in their best interests. Um, where this whole Rockefeller story gets a little bit crazy. Would you want to add something there, Jake? No, I was, I was going to move into, you know, the beginnings of the Rockefeller cartel versus the German or the European pharmaceutical cartel. And Yes. So the, the, where this gets a little bit sketchy and you would have to argue is a bit of a blight on the Rockefeller name, this, this huge name that has, that's printed all over... America, you know, they, they are the champions of modern medicine there. They're financed it all, you know what I mean? Where this gets like super, super, super sketchy is around World War II. Um, obviously, um, two years prior to World War II, beginning in 1939, we had John D. Rockefeller's passing. Um, so what, what decisions were made after that um, 
without the like without the oversight of his own legacy where he'd spent four four and a half billion dollars in giving this squeak clean name and pumping money into medicine, modern medicine. You gotta you also gotta realise back in those days, like there was there wouldn't have been the most liked him. There was no alternative really, like with medicine, you know? Like Americans were English, they've come over, they've wiped out Native Americans and all their knowledge of the land, um, how to cure disease that's been passed down generation, generations, thousands of years. It was turned away. Yeah, so you've got this, this, this country that's being built on capitalism and run on oil, all these things that are horrible for the environment, air pollution, people, stuff people are eating. A lot of people are dying from really shit things that they probably shouldn't be dying if they were healthy. You know what I mean? If it was a healthy society, they shouldn't be dying. So there, there was issues that needed to be solved. And arguably there were issues within um, the business structure of John Disco Rockefeller um, and like Standard Oil, for example. There was, if they've got 90% of the oil production, they've got to be hiring, I don't know, thousands of people. Let's say 90% of the population, realistically. Probably millions back then. Millions and millions of people. So if you've got all these issues in your, within your business that you need to sort of solve, and you've got a big t- truck ton of cash and you've got all these scientists saying, we're going to be able to use your crude oil and develop it into, um, develop it into a medicine that can potentially cure easy diseases. It's going to allow people to live longer and you're going to be able to make more money from the treatment and from the people who are working for you. Like that is an opportunity, and you're running the whole country. Like that's an opportunity. But you've only got you've only got to remember that humans have have got a very very small capability to for for their memory to be able to recall things, mm-hmm. and that we forget as a human race very very quickly. Yeah, absolutely. What what other humans are capable of? And he would like that's that. For any business, because America's a business, realistically, they're capitalist. Let's just say, call it what it is. That's a great business opportunity to do. If you're going to be able to make money off treating your own people who are making you money, you're going to jump at that like straight away. So he's just a capitalist. That's that's America. A lot of people were sick. He's financed medicine he's given a lot of money to the american medical association in those days and and funded all the research behind medicines based off crude oil like that's what's happened he's a trillionaire in today's dollars he was uh, yeah he's he has probably he's probably contributed to the ability of the medical industry in america or around the world to be able to fund and find ways to be able to treat certain conditions yeah um, or to to alleviate the symptoms and to treat certain conditions once they've come upon a population that are that are working towards the goal of creating a, a better economy. Correct. So there's like, really- you know he's the medical industry in a certain way, and I, I praise them for some of the work they do. But a lot of it is just adding band aids onto certain problems, and then until the bleed gets big enough where they need to up the band aid size. Well, there you go. So that's. That's a really, because um, we don't like to sit on one side of the fence here. We've got to look at it from all different angles. We're filling that mold 
that that hole in the market where you know people actually look at things from both both sides so you can turn around and say that he's done great things for modern medicine my my old man's probably still alive because of medicine that has come through the chain of what Rockefeller's done realistically you know what i mean so there's that now after his death in 1937 um 1939 ticks around start of world war ii you've got the 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 like mobile exxon chevron these bigger the biggest companies in the world the biggest oil companies in america um who uh an alliance with um with, I don't know, all the other European countries that weren't Germany <laughs> um, or Italy or, J or Japan. They're not European, but... Um, yeah, so from a military standpoint, you've got an alliance between these Western countries like Australia as well, all going over to fight the war against the Nazis. And this is the Second World War? This is World War Two, 1939, when it started. After... John D. Rockefeller's massive promo, um, <laughs> promo special about how fucking awesome he was and how he just gives everyone free cash and he's a legend, right? Um, 1939 ticks around and you've got, let's call it the conglomerate. Remember the group of com companies, Standard Oil. Let's just call it Standard Oil, which is Exxon, Mobil, Chevron. Yep. What these countries were doing, companies essentially, were doing was not necessarily... Oh, actually, no, just have to call it what it is. They were aiding the Nazis um, with the use of business, essentially. Yep. yep. Um, what they, were aiding an, they were aiding an enemy. Yeah, so they, they got found out. Actually, no, I don't think the oil companies got found out, but J.P. Morgan got got done um, after the war for um, for essentially helping the enemy. Um, what happened was during the war, a lot of people wouldn't wouldn't accept German francs. I think it was German francs or German marks. Sorry. Um, so the Germans essentially couldn't couldn't trade with anyone. It was almost an embargo. So they couldn't buy goods, sell goods. They couldn't buy fuel to fuel their planes, whatever it may be. Now, what JP Morgan did was come in and essentially washed those German marks, ex started accepting the German marks and were giving the Germans US dollars. The JP Morgan's like, like the owner of the Titanic, right? It's the romanticized story. He's one of the richest people ever in US history. The company, the bank's still around, the investment bank, JP Morgan Chase, which is like a like commercial and domestic like lender. Um, massive, 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 massive company. Essentially financing the Nazis to buy um to buy the fuel, for example, to fuel their planes. Yep. 
So the, the time and, and to be able to produce other other chemicals and and so forth. So yeah. they were giving they were giving the Germans the ability to be able to have the petrol or the crude oil to come into Germany during the war. Correct. To then produce whatever they needed to produce from that to then fight the Allied nations. Correct. So essentially, there was um, there's a type of fuel, and let me just quickly. Um, just trying to work out exactly what the, the name of the fuel was. It was, um, uh, uh, it was like Deltafel or something. Um, I was trying to find the name. Um, can you just, yeah, maybe just give us a little bit of a... Uh, I can give you a job out. So I can, I've got a couple of things here. And it talks about how in 1939... How the how the Rockefellers through the use of the Rockefeller Foundation and sponsoring family research into scientific evidence and so forth, where they were the drug based you know International Education Board they funded it, mm-hmm. um, and then they were talked about how the, they were going into further into the more lucrative terms of pharmaceutical industrial sort of action or, or business. And in 1939, a drug trust alliance was formed between the Rockefeller Empire and the German company. IG Farben or now Bayer, which is the the company that owns pretty much pretty much every petrochem- petrochemical company um, or food production company in in the world, or the major ones. And after World War After World War Two, do you want to go? I reckon I reckon we lead into that with this because that's where that's where it ends up. Yeah. So. Um, it's, it just gets really hectic from here, guys. Like, it's this is this just blows it out of the water. So essentially, you've got you've got Exxon Mobil, um, Chevron, these massive American companies, um, and the fuel that the Nazis needed to fuel the planes was called tetraethyl lead. So there was only one. Um, group of um, companies that were able to produce that uh, at the time. And that was Standard Oil, which is John D. Rockefeller, after he's passed, but his company, which is Exxon, Mobil, Chevron, DuPont, which is another massive American company, and General Motors. So General Motors, we all know those guys from Detroit. Um, The Holden, it was a General Motors car, massive, massive, massive car manufacturer in the world. These three companies used to produce the tetraethyl lead gasoline and were selling it with the aid of, from JP Morgan to the Nazis. And it was found out um, in 1941 that because there was a trade embargo from the United States and Germans, you couldn't trade with the Germans. What these company, companies did, which is Rockefeller, Standard Oil, um, General Motors and DuPont, they essentially sent all this tetraethyl lead fuel that was um, destined for the Nazis, they sent it um, into the Caribbean where it was re, the ships were re, um, not rebranded, but basically they reflagged and rebranded as Panama. For, uh, that like they were coming from Panama. 
Correct, correct. So Panamanian um, markings on them and sent from Panama to the Canary Islands, which then um, they were rebranded and put into tanks and sent to the, the Nazi military bases. So you've got the Americans fighting the war against the Nazis. Meanwhile, the biggest companies in the entire country of America helping the Nazis fight the war, which, like, you don't need a... <clears throat> so the Americans were supporting... The Americans were supporting the Allied nations, but they weren't fighting. Correct. They, well, in World War II, they didn't fight. That point, there was an embargo, you know, they, they were fighting. As a military... As a, the military was fighting against the Nazis. That, that, that's, what, that, that, that's what was happening, essentially. And it was the British that came up with this embargo and the companies themselves, that's where it gets sketchy because the companies were operating against the country, the military, by selling this fuel to the Nazis. Yeah. Now, Jake, do you want to um, go... This, this just gets really, 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 really effed up. Yeah, so I've just got one point yeah. before we get into that. And it just it talks about how how um, Farben or IG Farben were the, one of the main supporters of an uprising politician in the, in the late 20s and into the 30s as well and all the way through the 30s. And they were supporting the rise of a specific politician which then took over the Nazi party and then became the leader of the country, um, the, thus being Hitler, and that once that war did come about and that they, they started to try and push further into Europe, when Hitler's Wehrmacht or his, or his army forces first invaded other countries, their first job was to rob the chemical and petrochemical or pharmaceutical industries around the region and then assign them free of charge to the IG Farben Empire. So IG Farben, uh, essentially pre-war, um, they were a chemical and um, like farming chemicals, essentially, like insecticides, that kind of thing. Now, I'm going to say one more thing, Jake, and then you take, you just take this for a ride because it's just like, I'll probably throw up to be honest, but essentially, IG Farben, this com company, which is, which turned into Bayer, which bought Monsanto, right? So Monsanto is the company that created Roundup and they had a lot of bad press because it was killing people, caused cancer, blah, 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 blah. End up getting bought out by Bayer. So then a full name change, company branding change to Bayer. Well, Bayer is the original, is, is the offshoot from IG Farben. And IG Farben was the, the farming um, chemical producer. Um, now it gets weird because the second largest shareholder of Standard Oil, Rockefeller's company, Standard Oil, which is your Chevron, Mobil, um, all of the rest of the, the companies that are split up in in, yeah. in 1910 or 11, whatever it was. The second largest shareholder of that 
company, Standard Oil, is IG Farben, the German chemical and petro uh, pharmaceutical conglomerate. Yeah. So you've got Rockefeller, JP Morgan, JP Morgan, IG Farben, all embedded together while the war was getting fought. IG Farben goes on to produce. Jake, I'm going to let you take over for this one. Yeah. IG Farben was was the producer of the main, you know, chemical gases. I actually don't know the term of the Zyklon, one they used. Zyklon B. It was called Zyklon B. Zyklon B, which was used in World War II to be able to, well, kill, kill the majority of the, the Jewish population that was held in um, in in war camps or... or yeah. So IG, IG such as such as Auschwitz, but I'll bring it. I'll bring it back to. So after World War Two, we can talk about this, or do you want to talk about World War First? We uh, can talk about how during the World War, when you when they sent them to the to the um, the prisoner camps, uh, they made them work. They were making them work, and they were killing the uh, the, the children, labor camps, labor labor camps. Yeah. Um, and then, we, which which I didn't know till till recently. But when you when you tour Auschwitz or or um, I can't remember the name of the one in Germany outside of Munich. Anyway, um, they they tell you that they put the workers to work throughout the day, and that they they're they're there to be able to build the concentration camp, um, and then work the fields around the region. And but what they don't tell you is that just outside of these concentration camps where they have, are supposedly holding all these Jewish population and putting them to work, they actually built and ran one of the biggest petrochemical refinery companies and, and, and manufacturers right next to Auschwitz concentration camp. Which was 15,000. Which is, is pretty much farm, a, a, yeah, farmer, a farmer. Oh, IG Farben, sorry. Which is, yeah, IG Farmer, Farben, sorry. Um, and they sent them there and they made them work in in Auschwitz and Dachau. Dachau is the one outside of um, outside of Munich. And through this they, production line, they were able to fund the efforts for the, the German military effort, as well as um, all the other goings on through the, through the war campaign. So, and this is the connection between the Rockefellers, or J.P. Morgan Chase. So I'm not sure how this has all occurred because they're all fighting each other at the current time. But there's there has to be separation between such a there's a crazy separation connection between, um, between business and government. That's America. Yeah. What's the biggest? What are the, what are the two biggest industries in the world? Oil, pharmaceuticals. Yeah, and war. And yeah, that's number one probably. Yeah, so I'm not not to say that Rockefeller yeah. and Andre Farben were the main reasons or, or the contributing reasons as to how yeah. World War Two was started and created and, and maintained. But it says in, in a couple of different extracts that if, if IG Farben weren't there to support the Nazi German military effort, World War Two would not have occurred. Yeah. 
and and Chevron and Exxon and Mobile. Yeah. Essentially, um, supplying the Nazis with the materials they needed to fly the planes, drive the vehicles, everything. Yeah. So we go, which is just crazy in itself. If you just sit there and think about the fact that we still have chemicals that are around. Uh, sorry, co- companies that are around nowadays that contributed to the killings of millions of people or genocide. Yeah, and this continues to happen throughout history, post World War Two, into Africa, around the world, in Afghanistan, and in the Middle East, and well, and and everywhere else. I'll just I'll just set up a little chain just just to like make it a little bit easier for everyone to sort of just just so it hits a bit harder. You've got Standard Oil, Chevron, Mobile, Exxon. Digging up the oil, essentially, like pumping the oil. They're selling it to IG Farben during the war, who is using it to kill the Jews in the gas chambers. Like, that's hectic, man. It's crazy. Yeah, let alone let alone the you know the eight eight the what is it eight to ten million people that died in the battlefront. Oh, there's a lot of people fighting over fighting over the cause of millions supported by what of one person who led the Nazi people to power, supported by the petrochemical company. That now, once we talk about after World War Two, IG Farben was dismantled, but later emerged as a separate corporation within the alliance. Well-known companies such as General Mills, Kellogg's, Nestle, Brittle, Myers, Squibb, Procter and Gamble, Rochi and Heinz, the Rockefeller Empire in tandem with Chase Morgan Bank, or Chase Manhattan Bank, now J.P. Morgan Chase, now owns owns over half the pharmaceutical interests in the United States. It's just, and then, and then. Once they utilised, once World War Two was done, they u- utilised the ability to be able to produce these petrochemicals and started al- and and giving them to the people. In the in the usage of farming and crops and agriculture, and the startings of Monsanto or Bayer as it is so, today. Yeah, so Monsanto, famous for the, well the, farms, for, the um, for the pesticide um, Roundup. Oh no, not even a pesticide. It's a um, herbicide Roundup. Yeah. Um, we know. We all know the story of Roundup, like killing farmers and causing cancer, and people eating produce that's had Roundup used on it. And it's not a. It's not a good time. Um, yeah, developed uh, Roundup is like developed was developed by by World War Two. Realistically, it's a lot. It's very similar to what they used um, in Vietnam as Agent Orange, I believe. Which they now still spray on um, farms and use in agriculture currently. Which, if you haven't been to Vietnam, you just have to look at some of the people there who are still being deformed because of the use of um, Agent Orange by the US in Vietnam. So even post-war, even post-World War II, 
you've got the United States buying the chemicals used to kill not just like the Jews, but used as chemical weapons in World War II, buying them off who were the enemy to use them in another war in Vietnam, which is what we now use on weeds in our backyard and on our food supply. Crazy. It's, it's full on, man. It's crazy. I hope that we've drawn the picture pretty quite well as to where this is all led. I just think, you know, the whole the whole setup of how it's been run, the the big businesses and the and the figures with fi- like financial gain out of it. I just think that hopefully we connected the dots in the way in which you know we see it. I I we I walked into this trying to be quite you know non-biased and try and be quite diplomatic and informative on both sides but just the information that we've read and these are from very credible sources just blows your mind to think the scalability of how much corruption and and ongoings are behind the scenes in today's in today's world if this has happened consistently over the over the case of the last well forever really for all as we know if i'm not mistaken um i don't think there are any sanctions or anything imposed on Standard Oil for dealing with the Nazis at the start of the war either. I would, I don't, I don't think so. Um, not from what I've read. There's just, it's just too deep. It's too deep that this, this is the, okay, so Roundup say it's, it's causing people cancer. So you've got, you've got Standard Oil who have funded the production, who, who have supplied the production of this petrochemical, which gives people cancer and also funds the development of the medicine used to treat the cancer and all the research around both sides of the industry. So they've got, they're basically at the top of they're causing they're, they're causing the issue and and treating the issue like that's 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 what they're doing, dude. Hey, can I, I I want to read even though it got debunked. I just want to read the the text taken from the J D Rockefeller Masonic Creed because so I just think that yeah, this got fully debunked and it's like, I'm, let's just call it like a piece of artwork because someone's someone's developed this. Based off. Someone's developed it. Like it's 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 supposedly come from one of his writings, but I, like anyway, I just want to. I think that it's actually quite powerful in what it says. So just just to have a little bit of a read, it goes: We will keep their lives short and their minds weak while pretending to do the opposite. We will use our knowledge of science and technology in subtle ways so that they know that they will never see what is happening. We will use soft metals, aging accelerators, and sedatives in food and water, as well as in the air. They will be covered in poisons wherever they turn. The soft metals will take, make them lose their minds. We will promise to find a cure for many funds, and yet we will have it. Will give them more poison, chemical poisons, which be which will be absorbed through the skin of idiots who believe that certain hygiene and beauty products presented by great actors and musicians will bring eternal youth to their faces and bodies. 
and through their thirsty and hungry mouths, we will destroy their minds and systems of internal organs, reproduction. However, their children will be born disabled and deformed and we will hide this information. The poisons will be hidden in everything around them and what they drink, eat, breathe and wear. We will have ingenious, we'll have to be ingenious in distributing the poisons because they, they can see far. We'll teach them that poisons are good with funny pictures and musical tones on TV. Those who are looking for them will be helpful. We'll enroll, we'll enroll them to push our poisons. This is, it goes on and the, I don't think it needs it, but it's just, you know, I, I, I completely see that this is one of the downfalls of modern human in modern humankind and that this is contributing to the big picture of, of, of the health system and yeah. that we rely so heavily on a pharmaceutical industry which doesn't promote health, doesn't promote well, it promotes. It does promote health. It it does. It promotes the treatment of conditions to with the idea and the mirage of health, without actually giving it the true justice and and what it needs. And that is to to get rid of everything that we just talked about. To to de de pollute our air. To de pollute our water. To take away the chemicals. To stop digging up pollutants or sorry of fossil fuels out of the ground and, and refining and harvesting what what is inherently giving us its life in the first place, which is fresh fresh things grown in the soil and fresh water and 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 not polluting our foods with poisons and herbicides and pesticides and you know it's it would be so much easier and which is why I think I never I didn't particularly want to talk about JP Rockefeller because I knew nothing about him but once we started to learn all of this it's just it's crazy actually yeah. blown, blown my mind we were just sort of going to talk about um, well obviously it's a it's a subject that you're very passionate about Jake and in past episodes you've gone on about um, a few very similar subjects like farming for example and the use of these pesticides and the effect that you've seen it had on on farmers in um, where you work um, but yeah this is, we only just really wanted to talk about um, Rockefeller and alternative medicine and when we just kept digging and digging and digging it just kept on getting bigger and bigger and bigger and it's, it's ended up it's ended up um, what's the word it's, it's ended up um, yeah, sort of uh, incriminating countries. <laughs> well, and major corporations. Major corporations, like corporations that you see every single day, right? Like what's going on is just an absolute travesty. And it's like, it's, a, it's yeah. And where, and where does it stop? We're not allowed to say, we're not allowed to talk about a certain topic as we promised in our last podcast. Yeah. Well, we can talk about what happened in 1918. That They had the Spanish flu epidemic. And obviously, very hectic time in the world. You've got big boy Rockefeller um, with all these bags of cash. Um, when the Spanish flu rocked around, they 
they went into China because in, in flus that had happened in centuries and centuries um, prior, they knew that these, these viruses had come out of China um, naturally. So they went, they went to China to, um, to investigate the origins of the Spanish flu. Um, and the researchers in China were funded by the Rockefeller Foundation. Everything was funded. The, the investigation, the, the Chinese um, uh, researchers, ev everything was funded by the Rockefeller Foundation. And it turned out they found no trace other than a few small outbreaks in China, which, I, like, I don't know, mate, like... 1918 media, I can't imagine it was too widespread. You've got some bloke, some young lad on the corner screaming out, paper, paper, read all about it, <laughs> whatever they used to say. Um, um, you know, like, it's not like we had today. It wasn't the information age. They didn't have the internet. So it would be... It says here that the Rockefeller Foundation uses the flu, Spanish flu epidemic and all the media that it already controlled, that it already controlled by this time. So it already owned the majority of the media, comp media companies throughout the US and probably the world to start a witch hunt on all forms of medicine that were not covered by its patents. So anything that wasn't probably organic or natural in, in origin. Yeah. And within the next 15 years, all medical schools in the US, most hospitals and American medical associations all essentially became pawns on the chessboard of a Rockefeller strategy to subjugate the entire health care sector under the monopoly of the pharmaceutical investment business. There you go. So... <laughs> What's the saying 100 years later, post the Spanish flu, that there isn't something very similar going on? You don't know with the big C, but... You, you also might wonder, okay, well, do does the Rockefeller family still have influence? Like, where did all that money go, that one trillion? Um, and we've got history um, in the in the early 70s. I don't know if you remember in 1969, um, Nixon-Reagan um, era, where they... Um, they Impose the war on drugs. Remember that? Um, that doozy. Well, four years later, um, the governor of New York, Mr. Nelson Rockefeller, who's uh, the son of the grandson, John, John the godson of the grandson, John yeah, um, created. What um, what were known to be the Rockefeller drug laws, and there's yeah, it goes pretty deep. But essentially, the, one of the one of the things that Rockefeller drug laws, and you can see the impact of this in today's date, like a lot of things with the war on drugs. Um, but this one's a bit sickening, to be honest. Um, the Rockefeller drug laws, this is on drugpolicy.org, which is essentially um, a, uh, a website 
<laughs> clearly um, that, that's around to, to showcase drug policy, <laughs> like hence the name. So the Rockefeller drug laws restricted the ability of judges to divert people convicted of drug offences into community-based programs like drug treatment, education and vocational programs, which have been proven far more effective and cheaper than prison at reducing um, recidivism and preventing drug misuse and abuse. So yeah, like like from, I haven't really dug any further from that, but up until now with the war on drugs and the new threat that the world's facing, like all of this, it just lines up way too perfectly, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah, we know that we know we know that the major corporations around the world have a a great hand in deciding what political regime or standards that we go by in today's society and i think we've proved that today i think we've proved that just looking at history and being able to link these things up that have happened that we don't get the full story and i like i'm not going to stand up and throw my hands up and say oh this is a conspiracy because we're just saying how saying it how it is and this is what we're reading Make this, up, is on, this is Wikipedia and MIT. Yeah, like read, make up your own mind, you know. So, but it's all, we're, we can't be getting the full story on anything. And I don't know if we've got to handle the full story, to be honest. I don't know if we need the full story. But we're, a, we're a little bit more time yeah. telling this than what we were when we were reading this before yeah. the show before we did this podcast and we can't say that okay we've just uncovered all this stuff from the last hundred years there and we're a smarter we're a smarter species now so therefore what's happened in the last hundred years wouldn't wouldn't happen in today's day like that would be ignorant well no that would be stupid because ignorance is when you don't have the facts. Yeah. You have to use this. Sorry. The, the connection that we need to make is that, you know, within within the ongoings of World War Two and World War One, there were powers of be that were behind the decision makers or the politicians that were guiding the factors and enabling and supporting and financing the ongoings of a certain wars or undoing of the general population or against what the normal trust would be to to be able to continue with society mm-hmm. and that you know there are this could still probably still be the case yeah you know the politicians although it seems like it might be they're the ones that are making the decisions there could be factors externally even though we have progressed a lot as a human as a human race over the last hundred years, there could still be factors that could be controlling this. No, not not even could be, dude. Like the the whole reason of government is to allow like democracy to sort of operate or democracy slash capitalism to op- operate. That's the whole reason. It's not for us, man. Like the government's not working for us. I tried to subtly throw it in there then. Yeah. <laughs> like, 
why do you have political donations then? If, 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 if everything was for us, why would you have donated, people donating? There's political interests. The people making the laws, the politicians bring these, this legislation into, into the world is purely funded by the interests of big corporations like the Rockefellers, like Standard Oil, like JP Morgan, you know? Like that's that's politics, mate. You can go to look at you can go to look at um, in Australia you've got the Labour Party. You can go on a website and it's called um, democracy for sale and it essentially lists all the um, all the companies that have donated to the Labor Party in Australia to like Westpac, Icon Communications Zongfu Investments Pratt Holdings and if you go if you go to the date to like I think it only goes up to 2020 but a lot of it is the unions and construction companies so you can you can understand how that has played a part in i don't know work sites being open and small businesses being shut because the labor party's in charge in, in victoria they're the only they're 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 pulling the strings based on the money that they're receiving and the company's saying well, we're donating to your party you need our money therefore we're keeping work sites open like that's yeah. that's how that's government that's how it works. It's all corrupt. The whole thing. That's not even a conspiracy. That's read the data. Make just how the world works. Just how it works. So that's a whole other bloody. That's a whole other podcast I just mentioned there. So what do you reckon? Where do we go from here, mate? We've covered a lot of ground there. I think it was really hard to put that all together. Like, it, was, it was tough to jump between all the different points, especially because it was over such a long period of time. Yeah, we covered about 100 and something, 150 years. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe more, maybe 200 years. You know what we could do? We could definitely talk about further, about into all the major corporations and, to, and what companies they own to help draw the dots further now and yeah. which, which families. I think let's make a... Uh, a big web, a big family tree. I think we definitely That's get good. <laughs> I think um, I did have something that I wanted to say at the end. Have you got anything, Tom? Um, no, not really. Other than think twice before you smash that Panadol down your throat. Question... Question the narrative. Question the narrative. Question what you're being fed on social media and what you what you what you're being told by you know the general media. Well, very good example of that. I was watching a show last night on BBC about Bell Gibson. I don't know if you know Bell Gibson. Ties in very well with the whole wellness brigade. She was a um, she is a woman. She's an Australian woman who essentially had lied that. She had had brain cancer um, and on social media started this whole um, thing. It was called the whole, the whole pantry. 
how to deal with Penguin Publishing, how to deal with Apple. They were going to put her app on her watch, do all this crazy shit. She never had brain cancer. She's an absolute piece of shit, essentially. Psychopath. So don't believe everything you read. Don't even believe what we're saying. Just make it up for you. Make up your own mind. Yeah, I agree. The um, There is one last little little paragraph that I wouldn't mind reading. It says, I do not want to give the impression that everyone who works for these companies is a monster. The people who run these corporations are all too human and they have the simplest, and they have chosen to put profits of their companies and their own wealth above even the simplest human consideration. If we are ever to turn our back on the tide of ecological disasters and human tragedies that have been synonymous with the advance of oil. We must first acknowledge the ruthless and immoral nature of these companies and take a stand against their further consolidation of power. Only then we can hope to take our world back and begin to write our own history. That's great. That's great. Who wrote that passage? I'll send you the link. That's the MIT, the MIT article. Okay, fantastic. Well, this has been all of the above. I hope you've enjoyed yourself. What's our slogan, Jake? Question. Question everything. Question everything. Question the narrative. We're still working. Question the narrative. I like question everything. I reckon that's that's edgy. I like it. Question the narrative. Question. I'm Tom. Oh, I'm Tom. Oh, I'm Jake. <laughs> <laughs> nice. We're all the above. We're all the above. Question the narrative. Question. <laughs> See you, dude. Yeah.